0: It off right here. Yeah, we're here. but again i think you should just tell people why you love her her because of her i just love like it's not even about it is about the music but i was like i was late into it like i didn't become part of the navy to like auntie auntie's what sold me to be honest yeah when that one came out i was like this is one of the best albums i've ever heard ever pop or otherwise You're right and then i just went back and deep dived on all the stuff she did and then her and her shows, so now I'm Navy. You're a Navy man. And been navy. And, and
1: pulled me in too, right? Because we've been planning to do this type of podcast for the longest. But you are the genius that decided or had the the visionary idea of you know who we can also add into this group of goats, this group of track for track, this this body of work. And it's the queen. She's a queen at this point now, right? Yeah
0: she's my queen she's a
1: queen
0: um yeah we were gonna do all these hip-hop artists, and i was like no we gotta do some re-stuff too
1: <laughs> and it's reversed so we had, we had
0: to. yeah we have yeah we're starting with her because and well yeah it's her time because we thought of this like ages ago yeah, so it just years. feels good to actually to actually just get it do it and that's why it, it's kind of it. i'm like a little nervous it's like man it's you know we've been we've been brewing not on just this but just this idea for so long and now it's here so it's like all right let's do it proper so Ladies and gentlemen, Rihanna, "Good Girl Gone Bad," and the uh, "Reloaded" too. We'll, bo- <laughs> we, we'll do both because the cover art—the cover art for this—if it's on the right streaming service, it'll have the "Reloaded" album cover. Just so that people don't come from my—nobody's gonna come from my head. But just, <laughs> just in case, people, I'm like I'm acting like we have a fan base. It's not. That's Listen, we
1: do have a fan base. It's definitely growing after this. Um, if you want to find us, you can find us at Comic Underscore Patrol at Twitter or we're more likely to like to hear from you at our dialuppodpod pod at gmail.com. You can tell us whether you agree, disagree, that we're completely off base or completely on the ball. Because again, we're two very hetero cis males that are talking a lot about music from the female perspective. Um, so we don't have that in our bag, but we definitely given you what we thought, how we thought, how it's thotting, <laughs> and how much, <laughs> how much we've enjoyed it. Because at this point the amount of times we've listened to this album alone uh we are fans how many how many spins do you think you have with this album now
0: just this past couple weeks, weeks or yeah. in general yeah no just this couple. Of weeks. uh probably two dozen yeah easy I, easily i
1: had a few rounds just today just prepping so.
0: Yeah, start to finish, and then sometimes I do just the first half, and then I'll do the second half, then I'll see where I left off, and I'll do the bonus track. You know, what I mean, I mix that, but usually from start to finish, yeah, about two dozen, easy. And this is, and this is funny because it's not funny, but this album is is a deep cut for me because when it first came out, uh, my girlfriend at the time was like in love with this album, so I heard this album as it was brand new, like when umbrella came in and everything. Right. You know, so I listened to it front to back. Cause back then it's when you're burning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I burnt it, but then I bought it too. And then I kept the burnt version. And I was like, this is like, yeah, this is actually dope. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm digging this. Right. And then you, you put it away for a while and you come back to kind of call back full circle. So it's almost, it's, it's kind of nostalgic for me in a way too. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It's, I don't listen to a lot of pop. Reese is different. She hits different.
1: Yeah, and this is kind of the album where she crossed over from being R and B into the pop princess, right?
0: Yep. Let's go. Well, yeah, because they. Yeah, let's just let's get it. Let's go. It, yeah. Let's give them a shit. Take off my cool. Show them that under here, I'm just like you. Do the mistakes I've made make me a fool or a human with flaws? Admit that I'm lost. Round of applause. Take the abuse. Sometimes it feels like they want me to lose. It's entertainment. Is that an excuse? But the question that lingers, whether win or lose, is who am I living for? The year is 2007. He and I,
1: in our own different bags, are dressed in baggy jeans, probably white Nikes, sneakers, fitted or a snapback baseball cap, a matching double XL jersey, polo, or white tee, whichever was the freshest and had the least amount of creases. January brought a change to the culture and technology like never before, with the announcement of the first iPhone to be released later that year. Keep in mind, this medal had no front camera, no app store, ran on 2G speed, and required a two-year contract with only one working carrier. (laughs) By season's end, February, the Indianapolis Colts beat the Chicago Bears 29-17. This is Super Bowl 41, earning Peyton Manning MVP and his elite status. Not only that, it garnered maybe the most cinematic electric halftime concerts in history with the legendary prince who stole the stage. He cemented his reign in music and all during the raining of rain down in Miami's Dolphin Stadium. For those who were getting celebrated at the top for their accomplishments for the year prior, Mary J Blige, Beyonce, the Dixie Chicks, Christina Aguilera, John Mayer, The Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Black Eyed Peas, Nalls Barkley, Justin Timberlake, Madonna, Ludacris, and T.I. were all earning additional notoriety and gold at the Grammys. For movie fans, the stage play Dream Girl was getting the most nominations for Academy Awards, while the crime remake, The Departed, collected gold for best picture. In TV, audiences were still glued to performance reality, sports, and crime dramas with American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, Sunday Night Football, and CSI all earning the highest ratings in prime time. With parents upstairs, gamers were more likely to be downstairs, mastering the still top releases of the year before. Shadow of the Colossus on PlayStation 2, Elder Scroll Four on Oblivion on Xbox 360, Gears of War, Xbox 360, and The Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess for the Nintendo Wii or GameCube. By May, the NHL playoffs were heating up, the Ottawa Senators were moving into the second round as they would inevitably meet the winners of the West and their first Stanley Cup, the Anaheim Ducks. On the other channels, the NBA playoffs were just starting as we were watching history beginning as the Cleveland Cavaliers team would be carried by only one and maybe the greatest single-handed performance towards a final on the back of the GOAT. LeBron James, as he started his playoff run towards the finals where he would meet and eventually lose to Tim Duncan's dynasty, making San Antonio Spurs, collecting their fourth NBA title. On the big screen, May became a year of trilogies. Spider-Man 3, Shrek the Third, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End were all hitting the theaters, bound to break office records. The most escapable songs on the radio became the new fad for music dance and social media with months earlier cupid and the cupid shuffle still getting plays but that may also bought the release of soldier boy tell him and his debut crank that soldier boy you! at the top of the charts Ludacris, ti and little wayne still had a chokehold on the rap game again proven the south got something to say but on may 31st the billboard charts would have T-Pain and Young Jock still trying to buy you a drink. All of this was not for long, as a pop princess would finally see her crown unchallenged as she released her third album, carrying herself from the R&B charts directly into the pop billboards top 100s, helping to prove what pop could be redefined as. She could no longer be ignored, and if you weren't paying attention before, this girl was ready to show you how bad she had gone. The day is May 31st, 2007.
0: That was that was wonderful. First of all, that was amazingly well done. <laughs> that was dope. And the Shadow of the class tip got me because I was I was actually on that tip <laughs> back then. I loved that game. But yes, coming off, like you said, coming off respectively successful albums, Music of the Sun, and A Girl Like Me, she was kind of, she was being not kind of, she was being typecast as a typical pop girl with a Caribbean leaning sound. She had some singles that came out. SOS was her first one off of A Girl Like Me, her second album. Uh, Ponder Replay, Unfaithful, both top ten hits as well. Uh, I know if it's loving that you want is still like one one of probably one of my favorites of hers. It's it wasn't a number one, but it, you know she was, she had these singles that were rolling out, and she was well known, right? So, but she was in this box, and she was doing a she had the disney disney princess long curls right the little midriff showing she was being shoved into this direction that you're the good girl you got to be a pop princess you're gonna be the next britney you're gonna be you know you're just you just stay in your lane now robin rihanna fenty her lane is wherever she wants it to be right so there are different, there are differing stories here depending on what you read or who you ask but I remember uh, L.A. Reid in an interview he, he claimed that, you know, he's like screw it, we're going to make her Madonna on this one like <laughs> this is going to be, she's not going to be just this little goody girl pop star thing we're going to go full on like icon now I think the timing's a little weird, on, uh, is a little messed up on that because I think she initiated that whole that whole movement herself because before the cover shoot for her album, she cut off her locks, her curls, she dyed her hair black and without consulting the label. And I did the photo shoot with that. When they sent those photos into the label, the label was like, no, these are too edgy. We can't, like, this is not the image we, were, we, we, we wanted. And she was like, well, the shoot's done. So we're not doing it again. Basically, her reps were saying, like, so she had a lot of good representation and in, in the form that they backed her, even against, like, the big label. And the label let it go through and they were... Some of the more minute details are lost amongst how this all happened. But she basically pushed her way into doing it her own way. And they did the Umbrella video. And I mean... The rest is history. The the rest is history there because that was that new look. And I think that that song is so successful. We'll get to more about the songs later. But it's so successful because of that new image. It came out of nowhere. She was this you know, a little midriff showing with like baggy jeans or little shorts and the long hair to the bob cut with black bob cut with like fishnets and tight leather and stuff. And I was like, wh- what happened to her? <laughs> well, she's just, she's more herself now, right? So even though in this album, there weren't any writing credits for uh, Rihanna, it was crafted for her. And this is the f- probably the first time some songs... A lot of songs actually were written for her. Mm-hmm. Like artists wanted to write for her. Neo signed uh, to Def Jam around the same time as her. I think his debut album came out in 06. So he did a lot of writing with her. Uh, Justin Timberlake wanted to write for her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Timbaland wanted to do some beats. So she kind of, she, not kind of, I keep saying kind of, but she outsourced two different beat makers than what she had been previously, um, excuse me, privy to. And it changed her sound a lot. And she was housing a lot of songs, and being very careful about what she chose and she specifically wanted to have a different sound than what people were used to. That's why you get a lot of cuts that are a bit more rocky. Some she gets the, I know SOS was kind of her introduction to uh, the dance sound and she got a bit more of that, mm-hmm. but it's more like seventies, eighties vibe with, with some of the songs on here. She also got some older rock samples. It's, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's all over the place cause it sounds negative, but it, the sounds, they all fit, but they are all different angles of pop. You know right. what I mean? They all go different directions. And to her credit,
1: she said in interviews, like she was looking to infuse all of the genres that she enjoyed and found eclectic. Right. Yeah. So this is very much an eclectic album. Anyone else's hands. This could have sounded all over and jumbled in without a theme but she manages to keep finding another layer uh, something else to peel back that you're like, Oh, this does sound right in your hands. Like I couldn't imagine anyone else singing it the way that you sang.
0: Yeah. And with some of the main inspirations being like, when you, when you hear the main inspirations of this are MJ's Michael Jackson's thriller and Brandy's aphrodisiac, which just, which only came out in 04 Mm -hmm. three years before this came out. And that was the one where Brandy kind of has started to grow a bit. I don't, it didn't connect to me the way this one did, but I understand. like if you listen to these albums back to back, it's like oh, I I know exactly what she's going for because right. it sounds very there's a there's a I can't say it sounds similar, but there's a there's a similar cross tone between the two. If you if you if you take them both in back to back, it's like oh, all right. And Men's Fitness Magazine actually asked her because I got a couple quotes from her. Asked Jan if she really was a good girl gone bad, she <laughs> said the title of the album represents my liberation. I can't do a, a rebating action so <laughs> i'm not even gonna try it's, it's good you're not trying to <laughs> yeah i was just like i'm just talking to them. being able to, i also don't sound half as cute as me being able to break out of the innocent image i was forced into now i'm just being me i'm a little more rebellious on the record you hear that i have a lot more attitude so it matches the new sound the new image the new haircut the new everything and in order to get this she says quote i had to re rebel and do it my way and i had to jump ship in order to achieve that i just have a way these are two different two type quotes but still i just have a way of breaking rules even when i don't intend to hmm. that one kind of hit with me hmm. because it's like i feel like you and i actually kind of have a trait like that <laughs> like it's just like we're just kind of doing our thing now obviously we are we are nowhere like we're not in the same position as she was but i'm just saying that 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 ability to or that an ability that innate—it's built in. It's in DNA. Yeah, being yourself is only going to rub
1: other people the other wrong. Only going to rub people the wrong way, and that's unfortunate for other people. But for someone who has learned to be so unapologetic, the fact that she got to take onus of where her career is headed at like the most pivotal point is a testament to why she's still around now. Because when everyone yeah. else is saying, do this, she was like, you know what? I'm probably going to do that.
0: Because we this is her third album, like we said. But in a way, it's kind of her first album. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it doesn't have her number one hit on it. Like her first, sorry, her first number one hit on it. But it has the second, third, and fourth number one hit on it, right? So <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's doing all right in this sense. And yeah, it's, it's where she becomes herself. She's kind of, she didn't, like I said, there's no, she didn't write any songs, but she did choose them herself. And uh, when we get into the, the back end part of it, when we talking about Reloaded, she even chose what to market. Like she was getting, she's 19 years old hmm. when this is happening. 20 it. when Reloaded comes out. She's a baby. Stress that like, again. I don't think people know shut. how old she was when she was changing. 2007. Everything. 2007. She was 19 wow. years old. Only three, two to three years in America at this point. She's telling people where to go Man <laughs> And who she's gonna be Yeah And making Making decisions Like no I am Cutting my Cause her first two albums Came out eight months apart mm-hmm. Like she DMX that stuff Which is insane She One album comes out And then ne- eight months later The next one comes out And then she's like No you know what I'm gonna change the image For the third one and I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it.
1: And honestly, could have stayed in the same sort it's of... It's easier sh- lane. to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask
0: for permission. <laughs> what you're saying, with those first two, she
1: could have stayed in that lane. That's and kind, kind of where she's at with the haircut. Kind of done the same bag and kept doing the same sound. But immediately figured out, like, this is good, but it's not me. We could keep doing this, but I have something better. And good girl gone bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like she she had top 10 hits with those first two albums. And they didn't sound bad. They just sounded cookie cutter. Like they were just, you know. The machine you listen to the albums, her, yeah. we're not going to cover them. Yeah, exactly. They were very like, she, they were forcing her to sound a, like more Caribbean. Like here's the Caribbean flares, a little bit of dance style stuff. Even her feature artist stuff. And none of that's bad. It's just clearly not who she wanted to be. And so now she, she gets to, and the sales numbers say it all. It bridges the gap. This one's interesting because her career bridges the gaps from physical sales to digital download sales to streams. Wow. And She succeeds at all of them. We were saying off the air, she doesn't really move a lot of units um, per album. Like she's, none of her albums have done like 25 million sales on their own, but they're all consistent. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, if you look at not physical sales is different because this one was her highest physical s- seller because it was there. Right. But by the time Andy comes out in 2016, it owns like streaming and stuff. So she's kind of, if you look at all the sales together, she's actually like the digital download queen. She's, she was the first artist ever to ship a hundred million digital sales. <laughs> right. Good girl, Vamba bad made its debut at number two on the billboard 200 chart and sold 162,000 copies in its first week as well as number one on the UK album charts, with sales of 54,000 copies in in the first week. The album later went on to become certified five times platinum by the RIAA, six times platinum by UK's BPI, and sold over 9 million copies worldwide as of 2017. Seven Grammy Grammy nominations in 2008, including Record of the Year for Umbrella and Best Dance Recording for Don't Stop the Music, and it won the award for Best Rap Song Collaboration for Umbrella. That's the, the old clip where she's got the, sh- she actually has short hair going on and she's in the blue dress and Jay's f- Jay's being funny on the mic. She's like, yeah, tell her, tell her, you know, Jacob man loves it. <laughs> like I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's, it's kind of awkward. She's, I don't know what he was trying to do. He was just being silly. But yeah, that was, that was really cool. Uh, I threw a little, cl- little thing too. Cause she wasn't just, she was also doing features, right? And because we're doing both albums or the album and the relaunch, I guess uh, the reloaded one. There's a couple other songs that she was featured on in those two years. I remember her saying, too, music. I didn't write this down, so it's not a direct quote from her. But she did say that music songs are like tattoos. So whatever you produce, whatever you put your voice on, that sticks with you forever. Mm -hmm. So she's very careful about what she does in terms of of making music, and it it shows in features too. There's first time by Fabulous, so that's 2007. That was an early feature. That's Good. Um, the Dream Living a Lie. That's actually that's actually really good tune. They go back and forth. And he became like a, like
1: a steady collaborator all over this album and kind of throughout her career.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did. He's he writes a lot. He does a lot of production for her. Uh, she was also on Roll It by J. Status. J. Status did. Um, some features for her you'll notice what's cool about her is I picked this up just by knowing her catalog and things whoever she works with in one way she works with them in the other way too so on her on her first two albums she has features from J status she has features from Cardinal the she has features from Elephant Man well she went back returned the favor and did features for them too same with Sean Paul like she'll do that I remember actually Sean Paul said she's at, she was dope because she actually came to Jamaica <laughs> to record with him he's like no artist nobody did that before <laughs> But she came to Jamaica to lay to lay the wax for. for Who doesn't America. want to go to Jamaica? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, what you missed opportunity? That's insane. That's insane to me. But yeah, so those. Are, so she did three features in 2007. Um, 2008, she did the Just Stand Up charity record. I don't know if you've seen that. The video is like, she gets paired up with Miley Cyrus. It's pretty funny. You can tell <laughs> that the joke is like, that's not what she wanted. <laughs> but I don't like. But it's not just her and my, It's a whole cast of people from varying. Di- uh, degrees of notoriety. Uh, Ti live your life. You were talking about Ti earlier.
1: Banger, big,
0: big, big Monster hit. Uh, Fish official number one. Titus High in Banger. Canada. In Canada, they replaced her with Carrie Hilson. I'm not sure why that was. It was some legal thing. So in the, in the Canadian release of his album, not for sale. Yeah, that's weird. Carrie Hilson. Yeah, and they both sound good. Yeah, but I mean, one's Riri. We're
1: d- we're doing a Rihanna podcast. So
0: yeah. Yeah, and then she did uh, throw Your Hands Up with Elephant Man. Banger. So, you know, seven features over two years. That's not a lot, but she chose them carefully because most of these are really, really great songs, in my opinion. Well, actually, I guess you can't really say the charity record's a feature. It's more of like a... Charity record? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Walked into that one. That's a good one. So... We've given you the lowdown and the framework of what has led up to you. Anything else to say in terms of the build-up to the album?
1: It just an exciting time for her, knowing what she had put into this album and nobody else knowing what was going to come next. We kind of knew who Rihanna was, but we had no idea. So, like you said, this is kind of her first album. This is the first look into mm-hmm. who she really wants to be
0: portrayed as. So this will be the bulk of the episode we're doing we're doing a track. we call this part track for track. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna go through every single song on the album,
1: mm-hmm. including
0: bonus tracks, included the reloaded tracks, and we're just gonna go off. Maybe we're even we'll talk, talk about, about cry, even though it wasn't on this one, but we'll tell yeah, we'll talk about bonus track. We'll t- <laughs> talk about crying haunted because they're bonus tracks. <laughs> but you know, we may not have much to say about that. <laughs> <That's> not... <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything written about cry. I apologize. <laughs>
1: did you listen to it i listened to it when i thought it was what we were listening to and they're like no it's a different yeah. version because she had like four different releases of reloaded like there were different yeah. iterations which amazing money grab but there's only really like three great songs that you like you're just like give me that give me that give me that so we'll get there one
0: I thing get there. i was wondering why they did that and i this is kind of early on in her career too this third album When you look at her sales, like album to album, she's huge in the Mm -hmm. UK. Yep. And she's big in Asia. They built her. Arguably. Bigger. Not arguably. Some albums, she's bigger in the UK than she's in the US, which is huge. Like the UK love this woman.
1: They just saw who she was
0: before we did. Yeah. Yeah. So like we were talking about, she went five times platinum in the US. She went six times platinum in the UK Mm -hmm. for this album. And there's other albums that just outsell in U.K. Some albums outsell in the U.S. Too, so it kind of goes back and forth. But they love her. Like, she's global. She misses worldwide. <laughs> on to make on to her Mr. third worldwide. album. Third, third album, man. And I think it's those dance hits. Those dance hits really hit with, especially back in the mid-aughts, right? Those mm-hmm. really hit with, the, with your... You know, there's is a little bit of a side thing, but I remember um, Lonely Island, that Jizz in My Pants on. <laughs> right? That went to, like, number one in Australia.
1: Just because they or like played in the 10. club it was, or what?
0: Like it hit the Like, it hit their top 100. Like, people <laughs> were loving it in Australia for some, <laughs> for some reason. So it's just funny how, like, nobody here took it seriously because it's a joke song but Aussies. It's they, music. They, yeah. they roll with it. Yeah. So what we got? We have 12 tracks, right, on the basic album. There's two hmm. bonus tracks, and then Reloaded has three extras. 12 tracks is it nice length for an album that's especially if that, you're that, singing yeah. yeah yes that's a sweet spot i always say when i was younger i was like oh put as money as you can as many you can no but it, a lot of that's filler man i think i personally think now 10 or 11 to about 14 15 is like that's you want
1: to get to like the hour weird. hour and a couple yeah. minutes play and you want to tell a story and you shouldn't be that you want to be longing for more so i can hit repeat immediately not being like all right now i know which tracks to skip through to get to the one tracks that i want to hear so yeah
0: she's in her bag that's 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 where it's at because good girl gone bad the full album without the bonus tracks is 12 tracks it's 46 minutes and two seconds i think that's that's primo mm-hmm. the uh reloaded version is 57 minutes and six seconds that's again without the two bonus tracks with the with the three extra ones and so they don't go over an hour and i feel like that's that's primo. That's what you want. You don't want to overstay your welcome, because I know some people, <laughs> some artists have like albums that go like an hour and a half. And as much as we may love those artists, it's like that's a lot to commit to digest. Yeah. yeah. And my girl doesn't waste time. Track number <laughs> track number one, Umbrella featuring Jay Z. This was her first single off the album, and her second number one hit of her career. It currently has over a billion plays on Spotify, of uh, over a billion plays. It's insane. That's insane. Uh, it was actually originally written for Britney Spears' comeback single. Hmm. I can't imagine that voice on this. It's in the wrong hands. Yeah, but she turned it down. And even when I hear it now, well, first of all, this is a song of like support and comfort. The umbrella being the symbol of or a metaphor of you know telling her. Friend or or partner whoever she's talking to, the person she's interested in, opposing her in this song, who she's speaking to, I got you, come here, you know. It, it could be friendship, it could be romantic, but it's a support song. It's a it, like in that way. And um, yeah, when I hear this song, it's funny when I when when I say umbrella, I'm always like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But then you hear it, it's like, damn it. <laughs> It's like that, kind of one of those earworm songs, right? That just, like, gets in your head. Uh,
1: production is Chris Tricky Stewart and Cook Harrell. Uh, writers, we have Chris Tricky Stewart, Terrius the Dream Nash, and Thaddeus Harrell. Jay-Z Sean Carter. It samples the Vintage Funk Kit 03, which is that hi-hat, which is amazing, right? It's bombastic and loyal. Consistency is a choice for both her and Jay-Z, having remained steadfast. To producing hits anthems and juggernauts in music this being a juggernaut she kicks in the door of the album and the first lines aren't even her it's jay-z's bars right a track and a hit this big um, was an instant classic because jay-z decided to be the first voice on it right you can even tell by his ad-libs that he's setting her up for rolling out the red carpet yeah rihanna Talking about her. Uh huh, uh huh, Good Girl Got Bad. That's the theme in the title. Uh huh, uh huh, Take Three Action. Talking about the third album. Uh huh, uh huh, Hove, right? His final bars being In Anticipation for uh, Precipitation, Stack Chips for the Rainy Day. Jay, Rain Man is back with Little Miss Sunshine. Rihanna, where you at? Like you said, it's a love song. The message is simple. Whatever our differences are, whatever rain comes, I got your back. You can weather the storm together. And I'll be your protection. That's her loyalty shining through in spades. The genius is while she may be talking about love and partnership, the listener can apply this message to the same with their heart or their relationships or with their friendships in their lives. This easily could have been another artist's one hit wonder, but it's arguably the most recognizable song of her career, and it's only increased in enjoyment by age. Every time you hear it, you just start singing it. It's infectious. Come here to me. Come into me. It's pouring rain. That's track one. God yeah. damn.
0: That's how that's how it kicks out. I remember when we were talking about two um before we started, before we did this like last week. You're like, man, she just gets right into it. Yes. <laughs>
1: Doesn't waste any time.
0: Pulls no punches. And do you have a better cosign than Jay-Z? Yeah. And he finally co-signed her. Like this man, this is the same man who when she met him at Def Jam Records, he said, You leave this building in two ways. Sign with the contract or out the window, <laughs> without the contract. It's like he wasn't gonna let her leave without no. it because she impressed him so much. But he still waited three albums to actually show the co-sign to the listeners, to the to the audience. Right? Some might say the coming of age, which is smart because he's. Bleak how is. much? How much do you think he helped this song? He's in the writing credits. Right, but how much? No, I mean, like, I mean, uh, f- uh, for how successful it was, is what I mean.
1: I think Jay knows a monster when he hears it yeah. and the fact that he heard this monster he knew I had to be on it one but this is definitely for her so like he doesn't even take his 16 bars normally it's like eight bars yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's short it's yeah. so brief it's just enough to be like uh-huh I'm here so I know you're listening and if you haven't been listening start to listen and the second yeah. she hits her first line like you're so enthralled like you just fall again you fall into her you pour into her like you can't look away you can't not turn off your ear everything she's doing demands your attention and the song's just good that it helps all of those things as well she
0: just this was banger. The, yeah this was the song of the summer of 07 like it hit number one in june and it stayed there for seven weeks so it owned the summer and there's nothing you could do about it. <laughs> it was, it was just, it was everywhere, and it was like one of those songs that I don't. Now I'm biased, obviously, but I never really got annoyed with it. It was just kind of, I was all right. Like it was, was it my favorite? No, not really, but I, but I enjoyed it. It was catchy. I love singing it. I, love, I love, You hear some people say that now all the time. Ella, Ella, I Even the guy that went to hell. You hear about that? The guy who, <laughs> he said he said he died and, <laughs> and he heard umbrella. <laughs> what. a... Weird thing to say But yeah It's it's undeniable just, yeah.
1: The album launched in May 31st The following week it was Number 10 on the Billboard charts And then the following week it was number 1 And stay, stay there You couldn't go anywhere without hearing the song Umbrellas became back in fashion Her performances to this song Became The new fashion It, it was just A perfect way to reinvent yourself or reintroduce yourself to a larger crowd because it hits so many different genres effortlessly
0: it did and uh fun fact is it the first single to stay at number one in both we were talking about the uk and us earlier it was the first single to stay at number one in both those places country or uk and us for at least five weeks since elton john's candle in the wind 97 and that, and that one was about
1: a princess dying so
0: <laughs> yeah and this was
1: a... like that, damn. that's what it was for like royalty had left this world and he decided to make a song for her the next one up is what we're claiming what she has now been crowned the next stage of royalty right so
0: yep, undeniable and I told you about how Britney Spears had a crack at this before, but so did Tyle Cruz, remember him? Mm-hmm. And Mary J. Blige. And they're all like, nah. Sidebar, it was kind of
1: a bad year for 2007 Britney Spears. This was the year that she uh, had the nervous breakdown and shaved her head. So this would have been not the best song for her to say, pour into me, because I don't know. Oh, Britney? Would... Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no,
0: no, no. no. no, no. To be bad. fair, apparently Mary J. Blige really liked the song too, but Rihanna wanted it just this much mm-hmm. more, so... She would have killed it too, but anyways, it's uh, this is this is the song she's known for. It's also one billion plays. It's not her most played song ever, but it's the most songs most played song on this album in terms of, of Spotify. That was just Spotify. That was just Spotify. By the way, the billion. The, 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 I'm going to do this for every song that we what we talk about, mm-hmm. and it's only Spotify numbers. That's not including YouTube numbers. Not including Apple physical music, sales yeah. or mm-hmm. Apple Music or anything like that. that that's in. Thing,
1: Just a spotty, oddy, dope, dope, delicious.
0: Yeah. Well, d- half of those billions probably us in the past few weeks. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> <Yeah>. acc- definitely <laughs> increase some numbers over there. Definitely. We can move on, or do you want anything else to say? Hold Let's on. go. Track number two, Push Up On Me. This has got 12 million plays on Spotify. And it expresses that it's a, like, there, this is an arc to me, okay? The first three songs of the album are an arc.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and the first song umbrella is she's she's i almost, I almost said courting she's courting somebody <laughs> It's it kind of is it's kind of mm-hmm. like no i got you trust me mm-hmm. i'll watch out for you push up on me is like let's go out mm-hmm. let's go somewhere let's have some fun let's get closer come on like let's 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 have some fun type thing and she invites her interest from umbrella to go to the club with her it's expressed that it's at like a party or something and she wants to get physical right and she, she falls for it and she wants to, like, push up on me. That sounds so fun. Production is J.R. Rotem,
1: uh, Rotem and Makiba Riddick. Writers also J.R. Rotem and Makiba Riddick. It's sampled from Running With the Night by Lionel Richie, also written by Lionel Richie and Cynthia Wells. I mean, it's playful and it's modest. The beat is simple, if only it to keep it simple so you can highlight the message and her messages, and let's play a game. I won't be a tease, no baby. I'll show you the boom, my sexy little thing, oh, oh. <laughs> no, oh, oh. Um, she knows what she wants. She knows she has to put on the dance, the tease, in order to get it right. She wants him to push up on her that night, but she knows she has to play a little coy in order to do it. I feel like she rides the middle between her thoughts and her actions as she wants to get up and push up on things. Um, and as you're saying, in terms of building this kind of story, she's still shy. She has not, she's still the good girl that we're still in that part of that album. She's running with the night and taking it by storm. She's playing in the shadows, but the question is, will she step out into the spotlight, right? It's catchy, but the best part of the song is in the break when the beat fades out and she sings the pre-chorus and the production starts to build around her. I wanna see how you move it, show me, show me how you do it. You really got it on me, I must confess, confess. For me, the production feels like it's missing something. It took all the right samples from that song, but it feels like there's a missed opportunity to pull out a greater sound, right? There's, in the original version with Lionel Richie, there's an 80s uh, guitar riff solo, which is amazing. There's synth piano keys. But ultimately, I feel like Push Up On Me is the best lead-in to the third track.
0: So, you, it's almost like a, you like it as a um, precursor to that. Like, it's kind of a filler between track one and yeah. track three. It's almost a skit by like rap standards. This is
1: just setting up what's really going to happen and what really happens.
0: Yeah, and it's cool. It, it, it's, it's cool you say that because uh, even just going by Spotify plays, we have 1 billion for Umbrella, we have 12 million for Push Up On Me. Track three, Don't Stop the Music, we have 656 million. Jesus. So <laughs> right there. It's like, it's sandwiched between two juggernauts, and right. it really is uh, the precursor to three. And following the story arc, because we're going to move on to track three now, Don't Stop the Music, this was her fourth single off the album, right? So. Fourth um, single? Wow. umbrella, Fourth single, yeah. Umbrella was t- the first single. Makes sense. Don't Stop the Music was the fourth single. We'll get, when we get to we'll, the we'll second. We'll get the order. We'll give so. you the, the right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. This is a dance pop anthem. This was a huge. This was a huge song. I was in man twenty eleven. I was in the <laughs> Philippines. Okay, I was in the Philippines for twenty eleven, and we we're at a party, and this song came on, and the place went bonkers. And this is four years after the album came out, right? This song, uh, this song, like big. It's 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 a da- It's where she finds herself dancing up with somebody in the club. So if you. Count for the three-story arc, or the three-song arc, three arc we got going on. She meets somebody. You know, they build a trust. Let's go out together. Let's have some fun. And now they're at the club, and they're having fun. Uh, There's also a little break, the best part. I know you're going to talk about samples, but it does sample Michael Jackson. Why don't we start something? You didn't say it twice. <laughs> oh, it sounds so good. This is so, <laughs> so good. I love this. It's one of those feel-good songs. It just makes you happy every time you hear it. Production Stargate, and Stargate includes
1: uh, Tor Eric Hernersenman and Miguel S. Henrins. Uh Tawanya Dabney are also writers listed on the writing credits. We said before it samples Wanna Be Starting Something, Michael Jackson. It's emblematic and it's alluring. If Umbrella is the song that could define her personality and more so her career, Don't Stop the Music could easily define her fan base. Don't Stop the Music. <laughs> <laughs> she marries the past with the future in one of the, and she's one of the best at making club records that get consistent spins. She literally started something with what kind of music that she would create. She leans into this blend of dance R and B. Um, it's catchy, it's clean, it's bubbly, and it's consumable for the masses. Uh, Re- Rihanna would secure her spins with DJs for the next decade on this type of model. The song is a dream on the dance floor from walking in the door to the moment that she locks eyes with a dance partner and equally creates the vibe for the night. And equally, every woman listening to the song would use this as the same vibe that they would want to create on the dance floor. Mama say, mama sa, mama sa, right? Production is near flawless. How can you go wrong sampling Michael Jackson, especially from his most celebrated anthem, album, Thriller? If we keep digging in the dates, in the Sorry, if we keep digging in the crates, Wanna Be Starting Something was sampled from 1972's Afro-funk uh, Cameroonian sax man Manu Dimbango called So Makosa. Uh, that was the originator of the song. And we're led to believe that Mama Kosa means dance in Cameroonian. So she has it on so many different levels that you kind of get incepted. To at this point now everyone thinks it's her song, not Michael Jackson's song. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's one of it's one of those epic, legendary samples. It's just like, oh, okay, this is this is her. This is her. I live now. <laughs> yeah. What's cr- this was probably my favorite single off the album. I think so it's pretty close, but I think it was my favorite. It's f- interesting to know that it only it peaked at number three on the U.S. Billboard oh. 100.
1: But I bet in the UK it, they
0: loved it. Yeah, it, and then it, it, U.S. Billboard dance club songs crashed number one, right? So this is one of those. This is definitely one of those UK songs. This is one of the, like I said, in the Philippines I heard it four years later, yeah. and it was like it's Still, like the okay. first time everybody heard it, right? It was, and I was, I was drunk as hell, but I was loving it too, right? And I loved, I loved the song. It
1: and name a DJ that know. doesn't like spinning from "Please Don't Stop the Music" into "Wanna Be Starting Something." from wanting to be starting something into Don't Stop the Music. Yeah. So she made herself indebtable and connected now to the king of pop, Michael Jackson.
0: She's she's 19 which, right now, guys. She's 19, she's 19 which we talked 19. about at the beginning too. Thriller was an inspiration for this album. All right. And here, this is like, where's, where's it on her sleeve? And this, this song is special. Sampling from the best. Uh, so we move on to track number 4. This is where so the arc is done now unless you want to unless you have like a a dark sense of <laughs> of progression which could happen, right? You could say this is the fourth song. I think the arc is done cuz you know I like to have a happy ending for her. Right. But number 4, Breaking Dishes with 25 million spins on Spotify. I'm laughing because this song is like my guilty pleasure. I love this song. I love it cuz I love I love I love representation of, of women being, um, strong and assertive and not just being like, Oh no, you know, he's cheating on me. So I'm going to go cry. And that's kind of in this one, it's all about, she, she's confronting her cheating boyfriend and she will not let it go (laughs) until he like admits it. Like, no, you're doing, you're cheating on me. Like, just say something Mm -hmm. just say that, or I'm going to break all these dishes. I'm going to fight you. <laughs> even, the, <laughs> even the line there, I'm going to fight a man tonight. <laughs> I I love it, man. I've always had, like, I, I call it a guilty pleasure song on this album, but I love this album. I, whenever I listen to it, I have to I have to go back to this record and I to listen to it because it just, <laughs> it always makes me laugh. She's I love that aggressive, that aggressive re.
1: Production is Tricky Stewart and Cook Harrell. Uh, writers are Tricky Stewart and The Dream Nash. It's relentless and frenzied. Uh, it has teeth. She's got bite. Like Push Up On Me, production, production takes a backseat to Rihanna's vocals and gives us a taste of her hot streak that she has in her. She's quick to tell you what she won't accept and moves from the shy in the shadows into the spotlight now looking of this section of the album. Um, and being let in from Don't Stop the Music, this is a side that shows the opposite side of the woman who's been waiting at home for the man who hasn't come back home. If you want to assume that he's been on the club all night, that's on you. But from here on out, the good girl is nowhere in sight as Rihanna begins to show her assertiveness, her anger, and her ambition if you cross her. It's not the song you like at first, but it managed to to sink your hooks in you. Uh, This was one of my first skips, but I started going back and it just finds a way to keep being avoided skipping. after the tenth listen, you kind of see how catchy Rihanna can be, even if she broke all your dishes and has you shaking your head.
0: <laughs> That's the thing, man. Like I remember seeing, cause I saw her live and on this tour. Good girl, cause I told you, uh, my girlfriend at the time. She loved Rihanna. She loved this album. So we went. I took her to this out to, to see this tour, and she, would, she played the whole album live, and she did this song. And you know, it's like a man, a man, a man. <laughs> she does like shuffle along the right? stage and it was <laughs> I don't know why it worked. It just worked for me. I love this song. And I don't care. <laughs> I do not care. I love this song. But like you're saying, this is kind of, this is the first glimpse of after those the, the three intro songs that are the arc we had going on with the, the love story. This is like, you know, this is like something you've never heard on my first two albums. Mm-hmm. This is what you're gonna get not every song here but this is this is the side of me that you've never seen but sure. it's there and i will stand up for myself um, we move on to track 5 the second single off the album shut up and drive wow. 202 million plays on spotify or streams on spotify when i say 202 million when i say these numbers it's actually over that i just kind of i just round down sure. or whatever right so it's, you're you're under be... you're undercutting the queen what you done I just a bit, there. just a bit, because, you know, I could say, I just, you know, I'm saying that now because the past four tracks, I forgot to say over this many, okay. <laughs> so I just, I just, that's my bad, so now I'm just coming my own ass. See. This is a song laced with sexual innuendo about mm-hmm. cars and driving. It, it's, it's almost corny, but it's not, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's just, just full of them, right? Just when, them. when the writers thought of it, actually. They were trying to go for a more like Fergie glamorous vibe. Like, G-L-A-M. They're okay. going for that. Right. But like, no, let's make it rock. Let's make it, let's lean rocky. They got a sample from New Orders Blue Monday classic track. Yes. And I re-heard this. She was like, I've never heard anything like this before. Mm-hmm. I love it. Let's do it. This is something different. I want this side of me out there. And I went out there, second single, and it was, it's a big hit.
1: Production Evan Rogers and Carl Sturken. Uh Writers Evan Rogers and Carl Sturkin. Again, you said it. Uh, New Order. They sampled Blue Monday, so they also get writer credits. Stephen Morris, Peter Hook, Bernard Sundner, and Cillian Gilbert. It's confident and charged up. In Push Up On Me, she's thinking of all the things she wants to do to you. But by the time we read Shut Up and Drive, she's screaming it. Every lyric is infused with sex, sexuality, and it's charged to have fun. Rihanna's in her bag she's riding shotgun and she reminds you um you the driver that she's ready willing and able only if you know what you're doing you have to stress that only if you know what you know you're doing she wants you to lead if you know you can handle her and the crash at the end we will assume that's more of a happy ending than a missed turn Um, production doesn't again blending blue monday's 80s synthesizer into what you were saying smooth with uh, rock guitar riffs it's easily consumed by the masses and adds a pop and lock break to remind the audience that there's an R&B album right it's not just rock um, and Rihanna has more than one trick this track is so unassuming and charming but also like sleazy and cheesy and yet you n- never question how good it is because it's pretty good
0: it's fun. Even if you don't listen to the lyrics and I understand the innuendos within it, it's fun. It's fast paced. Like I said, it's rocky. It's got a nice riff. You were talking about the the producers, Carl Sturkin and Evan Rogers. Those are actually the guys who discovered her in Barbados back in two thousand three. loyal. Because they have they have uh Yeah. Well they are I think that both of their wives are from the Barbados. From deep, from Barbados. So they go down there to visit them. Right. and they were introduced to Reed that way. She auditioned for them. I remember she actually auditioned with a with a girl group and they're like, We want her. She's a <laughs> <at the> stage <laughs> presence. Let's bring her back. And she lived with them in like the US and stuff. And you know, that's another story, but that's it's this the same guys who found her got to produce this track, which is kind of special. It speaks to her loyalty. It speaks to
1: people writing for her. You would expect that the guys that found her and helped pen her first two albums would also understand her sound and the evolution of it. So when she gets into sexuality, these guys kind of help her wield her finest moments.
0: Again, she's 19 at this time she's dropping songs that are like (laughs) just this fun. They're sexually charged, but fun, you know, it's, is crazy which brings us to track number six hate that i love you mm-hmm. featuring neo this is the third single off her album uh 270 over 277 million spins on spotify we talked about neo earlier um, and they come together here in this song it's a conflicted love story it kind of starts out kind of sweet and sappy and you kind of realize that hold on this guy <laughs> messed up but it's like <laughs> But it's also like relatable if you you know if you've been in some relationships where you really like this person, but man, you can't stand this person. Um, like, so it's but their their voices really work because he's got that smooth voice; she's got more raspy, and they they just I don't know. It sounds they sound good together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they sound really good together. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost a shame that it's the only song they've done off of Water Album. So, but right number six production is Neo and Stargate
1: again. Writers would be Schaefer Neo-Smith, when I learned Neo's first name is Schaefer. Uh, Stargate is Tor Eric <laughs> I <learned> that too. <laughs> <laughs> Hermanson and Mikael S. Emerson. Uh, it's cozy and honeyed. The math is simple. Write a love song with one of the best performers on her come up and one of the best songwriters on his come up. This is the same year where Neo's already coming off his Because of You album and helps pen and produce Rihanna this Rihanna's classic. Uh, it's a staple as they both start to rise in their perspective careers. It just happens that we're treated to two of the generation's strongest R&B artists as they do a duet about love together. The melodic tones, the rich charismatic vibes, and their, kes- their chemistry s- is too smooth to hate, right? So naturally, the pair croon to the listener about how much they're in love in the reverse, right? Stating how much they hate how they love and how much love is given to their partner when they hate. They hate that smile, they hate that power, they hate that laughter, they hate that I need you. It's pretty genius. Uh, It's no surprise that Neo is the only other singer on this album, as he helps Rihanna shift gears into another tone and show another strength, which is her singing ballads. It should be sappy, it shouldn't work, we should hate it, but it's fucking endearing. And it becomes the song you used to send to your girl after a fight because anyone that doesn't like this track has not been in love. You can't convince me otherwise. This pair both understands love and found the best compliment of each other without battling for space on the track. Like you said, it's a a wonder why they never work together again in the same level.
0: Yeah, it's... I like how you said that. It's a song that you shouldn't like or we shouldn't like what we do. Like, I don't usually go for the sappy stuff, but, man, it's good. It's good. It's good, good, man. It's It's good. good. Like, sometimes a track just hits, and this one does. And the way they sound together sounds great. And I I don't care. I'll I'll sing this loud in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Track number seven, Say It. So over 8 million listens on, on Spotify. It's not quite yet. When I get to, I was gonna say it's not quite the lowest listened to song on Spotify. When I get to that song, you're gonna like punch <laughs> air when you find out what's really wow. Which is a little over eight million. Okay, uh, it's a song about her and her friend, and they have feelings for each other. But there's feelings there, but nobody is admitting it to it, right? Mm-hmm. And she wants him to come on and say it. it's like, come on, just just tell me, come on, just say it. <laughs> it right, does sample an older '90s tune. Yes, like, yes. Yes. Great. things he's doing, you can <laughs> yes. hear it. And it's like, well, I'll let you get into that. But man, it's, uh, well, I'll let you get into the production and we can talk about it after. Sure. Uh,
1: production, Neo The Matrix, which is Kadar, Neo The Matrix, Atkinson, and McKee Riddick Writers are also Makee Riddick and Kadar, Neo The Matrix, Atkinson. Special shout outs to UART, Mad Cobra Brown, Clifton Dillon, Sly Dunbar, brian thompson it's sampled for mad cobra flex girl flex it's time to have sex oh love this track long how you're waiting for this rude boy i sweat um it's ripe and slippery it's not exactly a slow jam but if you heard a bash you're gonna wind up on it it's got a little bounce it's got a little bubble but it's a trap the previous track was the sight and the dance it's easy left unsaid she wanted him to use his confidence, his body, his moves. Not no more, use your words. Rihanna wants to hear it. Whether it's those three little words, maybe, right? Assuming Rihanna has been tired of talking and stating what she wanted, what she likes, what she doesn't like, what are you are gonna do if you cross her again? We're at the midpoint of the album and she's ready to hear from him. And for her, it's to get confirmation of everything she's been feeling up until that point. It's time to move to the next stage teasing him to heaven if she uses the right key production uses maybe the best sample on the album with mad cobra flex right this is leaning back into rihanna's island vibe bag but they pull out the reggae and kind of keep the cadence of the original song so it's just enough for those in the know to know what's going on and credit to the producers who understand what was making a niche for one genre can now be transferred into mass consumable by pop standards, and highlighting what inevitably Rihanna would be finding these sounds and curtailing it to what she does the best. It's a fun song, but it's it's dangerous.
0: Yeah, it is dangerous. It's one of those songs. Is like it sounds really good loud. When you like you're talking about you, you turn out you turn this up at a party. Something this is loud. It sounds good. Sometimes I'm not in the mood for it. <laughs> Other times I am. Right, but it's. I, I can't say there's a bad song on this album. We haven't. We won't. We're only halfway through, or a little over halfway through. Yeah, just read the book. But,
1: yeah.
0: but this was never my favorite. But I always come back to it. And when I'm in the mood for it, it is my favorite. Like I want to hear this track, right? Um, and credit not credit to okay. her being so connected to DJs.
1: They can put her audios over the hardcore Mad Cobra flex, and pull the true dancehall vibes for that party, right? So whether it was her understanding or the production's understanding of. We're just gonna take enough and then when we give it to mass consumption, they'll make the levels. And Rihanna's one of the most influential artists, I think for DJs, for the amount of different sounds and playlists and sets that she rides through the span of a night. You can hear Rihanna in the beginning, the middle, the end, and the lights are on, the car home, right before you go to sleep, yeah.
0: Yeah, you can hear any any setting. This this woman has like performed on I think the country music stage. She's performed like oh, She's just she's she's incredible. But we'll get, we'll, we'll get well, let's, let's finish. Let's keep going with the songs before we, I will I could just talk about her all night. Track number nine, let me get that. Nine million or over nine million. Sorry, I skipped a track. Track number eight, sell me candy there you go. Yeah. is the next one up. I got my Timbaland tracks mixed up. <laughs> sell me candy number eight nine million spins on spotify just like shut up and drive it's full of innuendo but this time the metaphors are candy and sweets as an attraction to a boy how contagious his affection is for her and he's just like keep selling me candy i i love this <laughs> rhythm <laughs> i do i love this rhythm it's sexy, it's sexy. <laughs> so you, can, you can get into the the production is timothy timberland
1: mosley We have Makiba Riddick returning as well as Tyrius The Dream Nash for production and the same three for writing. The Dream Nash, Mekiba Riddick, Timothy Timberland Mosley. It's submissive and it's also unyielding. Rihanna can't help her sex appeal. In fact, she wears it proudly and any chance she can to turn up the frequency, she will. This is a track where she demands she get the same frequency in return. It's weird, she's kind of the predator and the prey, she's the cat and the mouse, as she rides the line of telling you what you wanna hear and telling you what she will not live without. Knowing what the cost of love is, she's ready to pay the price. In the past, it was those three little words, but now we want the full scope of the emotion, right? She wants the candy, she wants the heaven, she wants the destiny, she wants the dream, the security, the safety, the spoils. Love is used as a catalyst into buying into her fantasy, Of everything she wants. And nothing else. Sell me candy. Sell me love. Sell me heaven. Sell me dove. What's the charge? What's the cost? I'm the daddy. You the boss. (laughs) Love that line. The thing about production is when production finds their sound, it's impossible to confuse it with anything else. And this is one of three tracks where Timbo is on the beat. It sounds like Timbo. It's not the strongest, I feel, of the three that we get from him, but it's such a great start to the trilogy section on her album.
0: I, I agree, actually. I agree fully with that. That's, <laughs> is it my favorite Timbo track? No, but this song is sexy. Yes. I love, I love, me personally, I love an assertive woman who's just like, listen, come get me. Okay, I don't want to make the first move, but I'm telling you right now, Step your game up. Right. Like keep doing what you're doing because I working. love that. That's it's nice. sexy to me. I love her voice is sexy too. That... oh man, like <laughs> even like just the hook that talk to me, the carry my dreams. I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> I love it. I love this song. I love this song. It's not my, I don't know if it's my favorite on the album, like I was saying, but I love this song. I, I don't skip this one. I really don't. And I, I go back to and it works well because Timbaland does the trio of tracks. Yes. This one and the next one let me get that. Mm-hmm. Now that we're now that I got them in right order. Cause it also has nine million plays on, on Spotify. They they work so well together. They flow into each other really well. Sell me candy, let me get that. And it's but the tone of them is so different. <laughs> it's so funny. We're talk- this is like a I don't want to say it, but it's kind of a you could say a man eater or gold diggerish okay. anthem. Yeah. I don't know if it's gold digger, but it's more like man where she wants more money from the guy. <laughs> and she likes she wants to blow the money together. You know, just like, listen, I got this, but I want this. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna buy this for me. I bought this big, this big TV, but I want this new couch. Mm-hmm. You get the couch because mm-hmm. we're a thing. We sh- we share, baby. We share. It's kind, it's kind of like that vibe, you know. <laughs> and this song uh, makes me laugh.
1: Uh, <laughs> Production is Timothy Timberland Mosley, Makiba Riddick, and. The Dream Nash. Uh, writers are Tyrius The Dream Nash, Sean Carter is listed as a writer, and Timothy Tim- Timberland Mosley. This is Brave. Oh, and- Jay, wrote, Jay wrote on this? Jay, Sean Carter's on this, so That's you funny. expect a little more tongue-in-cheek if Jay's on this. Um, this is Brave and Blunt. And just like that, she done woke you up from that dream, which was the track before. Um, it's This love is going to cost you. And she reads you with what it's going to cost to keep this love going on. You don't know, fucked up now because you bought into the dream. And it's definitely more than you originally thought, right? I got, a, I got a house, but I need new furniture. Why spend mine when I can spend yours? The truth is, I will love you the same, but why complain? You buy Gucci Bay. <laughs> it's both. <bold. laughs> and bombastic brass in the production is a wake-up call, right? From Sell Me Candy. Let Me Get That uses big bass drums to bang in your ear. Money makes the world go round, especially Rihanna's. The drums fade um, into the back, if only for her to remind you during the bridge Oh boy, I know I want my love, love. Nothing in this world is, nothing is free in this world, world, unless my love is your love, your love. Oh, I'm not a gold digger. <laughs> if any woman uses this as an anthem, uh, good luck and god bless but this <laughs> this is this is a specific <laughs> album where she go for a specific so
0: it's funny though i love it it's and like i said when you listen to sell me candy you gotta listen to that too and there's something smart to be said about um putting all the timbo tracks in a row because mm-hmm. like just like you were saying producers a lot of producers especially really uh, famous ones have a certain sound to them like that neo sign that i love you you can tell it's a neo-produced song because mm-hmm. it just sounds like it. It's, and, just, there's and a similar it's sound in the beginning. That. He always has "do do do." Yeah, as a symbol as a similar kind of like a snare to just so sick and things like that. This is Timbo. He's got that boom 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 that 808 stuff going on, and he just got this vibe. Especially after you listen to like Shock Value and stuff it comes <laughs> to this, like, oh, I know a Timbo beat mm-hmm. when I hear it. Which goes on to the trilogy of Timbo beats. Track ten is his third one and they put them all together but this is very different than than sell me candy and let me get that yes rehab was the get this the eighth single off this album wow. with 176 million spins on spotify great fucking single yeah this is a great and this was this is her last this was her last single off it which wow. wild hmm. even after the reissue hmm. like this came out like so she dropped the she dropped the um bonus
1: tracks which we'll get to
0: yeah, she dropped the four singles and then the then the extra stuff and then came back to this one, which I think was almost kind of a miss. I think she should have advertised this earlier, but you know, never not here there there because it's a great song and it still got a lot of spins. It's a song about how she's in love with a guy who keeps treating her badly, and she knows she can do better, but she can't help herself from addicted from from, you know, being addicted to the love he shows, the affection. Like, I really want this guy. And even though he's not the, I know he's not good, but man, he's, <laughs> I just, I can't stay away.
1: Production Timothy Timberland Mosley. Again, this is Trifecta and arguably my favorite, but I think the best produced track of his trilogy on this album. Uh, also, Hannon Lane and Justin Timberlake. Writers are Hannon Lane, Justin Timberlake, who has some brief vocals on a couple of the courses with Timothy Timbaland Mosley. It's sobering and exposed. Everything that goes up must come down. This is love's rude awakening and it came hard for Rihanna on this track. She is open, vulnerable, and lost from love. If she was sipping lime and drinking and drunk in the previous tracks um, in Good Girl Gone Bad, rehab is the hangover and it's ugly, but it's also beautiful to hear in the same breath. It's another level of Rihanna's talents that you empathize with her as she's questioning who's truly wrong in this relationship that's going bad. And she stresses that she's never gonna be the same. Love was a motherfucker and nearly beat her down. If you can believe that she can sing about love and hate that I love you, then there's no doubt that you can believe her convictions when it comes to heartbreak. It's a match made impeccable as she murders the chorus and post chorus on a Timberland Timberlake constructed beat. This for me is one of the four, maybe five perfectly constructed songs on this album. She bleeds for love lost and can't pin which direction to aim it at. So everything suffers, including herself. Anyone that can make you bop your head when it's a sad breakup song is doing God's work. And this is a God level song in my opinion. Gotta go to rehab. Now ladies, keep it at.
0: And you talked about Justin Timberlake uh, writing this and he was the primary writer on this song. The whole story about how they hooked up was interesting too, because he, him and him and Timbo were on team, were on team, were on tour a lot, mm-hmm. and they actually Rihanna is saying they had to actually follow them a bit to get to where they're going. So they met them in Chicago. Um, Justin came back to the studio. They kind of messed around. They had some fun with music and stuff. <laughs> and then when they went back Trust to, the words. <laughs> you know what, man, <laughs> you this, know what I'm
1: saying. This is coming off of the uh, Grammy record winning. Love Future Sex Songs with Justin yeah, Timberlake and right? they were changing the sound of what pop and dance was looking at on on yeah. the male side, right? So this was just a perfect collaboration for Rihanna to jump into.
0: Yeah. But they met in Chicago, then they went back to New York and uh, like days later. And Justin didn't write this song on paper, he did it all from his head, which is really cool. So he recorded it for her and I got like as like a demo track. Pull the yeah and she did it back over him and he he didn't even like he like he said him and timbo have that short part that uh, ladies give me that mm-hmm. and that's that's it and he's in the video too but he was like i want to write this for her like he he didn't he never he it wasn't a song he had written and then given it to her he wrote it specifically for her which i think is that's really dope mm-hmm. and 2000 yeah it came out in 2008 so it came out the year after this album but still it's this is a really good song i feel like it almost went under the radar a little bit just by being the eighth single like you're you're living off the same album almost a year and a half later that's crazy that's crazy i feel like the song almost gets lost because the first half of the album has
1: all the bangers and kind of the uplifting stuff that you're like oh you can't go wrong with this but this dip is so well done it doesn't even seem like a dip which is the mindfuck on it it's it's arguably one of my favorites well it's one of my favorite tracks on the album, but it's arguably my favorite.
0: And it starts a, um, like a, the ending of the album. Correct. Right. It's the beginning of the end type thing. Cause track number 11 question existing comes after it. And this is the lowest stream song on the album, <laughs> which I think is absolutely criminal, criminal seven, 7.9 million. So just barely the last, but still, like it's, it's still under say it and things like that, which I think is, that's insane to me. This song is amazing. Young Rihanna talks about growth, how the music industry has already changed her, the trust issues she has with people, and how success has changed those around her. This is her in her head, and I love introspective music, especially things with such a deep connection to oneself. She's finding herself in this album, and this is the dark side of it. Like, not I'm not talking about breaking dishes on Boyfriend's heads. I'm talking about... Inner turmoil, like who do I trust in this? This is what I wanted, but is this really what I wanted? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't who I am. This is what I do, and it's we can't relate to that, but we can relate to um being insecure in the people around us. So,
1: production is Shea Taylor and Schaefer Neo Smith with Makiba Riddick. Writers are Shea Taylor, Schaefer Neo Smith, and Sean Carter again mm-hmm. returns. Oh,
0: man, this guy.
1: This is vulnerable and unmatched. I'm not going to lie. This song doesn't even sound like she's talking about a relationship anymore. It's just a raw view of what this girl's been going through. as She's battling for authenticity in those around her as she becomes more and more famous. It's her life, and she's getting the spotlight. But she's quickly learning that everything glitters is not gold. She questions everyone's motives, getting closer to her, if she should bother letting anyone in. It's raw. It's unapologetic. It's a little jaded. It's introspective, but it's unparalleled to anything else on this album. It's an honest view of the real life of Robin Rihanna Fenty. It's not like you're expecting a track like this on this type of album, but you can't see this album without a track like this. It's a theme. It's a song. It's a song theme. You hope she keeps heading down, but you ultimately want to know that she's doing all right, it's such a weird sort of I'm asking for help and you don't know how to help her, but you're glad that she knows how to ask for help. It's such a mindfuck.
0: It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And the fact that you said um, you kind of want to keep her going, but you wonder if she's okay. This song is very much a precursor to her next album, which I won't talk about now. Cause we'll, you know, we'll come <laughs> back to it one day, but this is, this is literally the, in my opinion, the prelude to what rated R ended up being. When we listen to that, you'll understand what I'm saying. But this is like this is the dark side of her and and I feel for her. She's 19. Mm-hmm. She's 19 and she's global. She's worldwide. People just want to date her. They want to get close to her just because she's famous. That sucks, man. Especially at that age, man. When I was 19, I was just <laughs> what was I doing not this I was clowning right like but
1: she has a present of mind to break the song and just talk to that and talk to her listener and just be like you know what this is this what's going on this what's coming in my diary and that level of exposure is unlike we've seen unlike anything we've seen up until that point especially from pop icons because she's on her way to icon in this run so it's strange that it doesn't get enough plays I feel like it's so much a part of who she is and the version of who we get to see day in, day out.
0: Yeah. I love it. It's one of my favorite on the album. And I listen to the song and it puts me in a mood, you know, like it kind of sends you away like DMX and slipping, you know, it just sends you away. It's mm-hmm. like, oh man, this is this is heavy stuff. And when we talk about the the next song, which is the ending of the regular album, track 12. It says this in a certain way as well. Good Girl Gone Bad, 25 million spins off Spotify. This is the title track of the album. All about Good Girls Going Bad and cementing that she won't be going back to her old style. She's done with that. This is where she is. Because even, even the lyrics, it says, it's a sh- shout out to Song Cry by Jay Z. Mm-hmm. Right? She's gone now. Mm-hmm. Good Girls, t- it's cooked. This is what you get now. And she's never coming back. And I think that's it's profound really at night. I still can't, we said it so many times when she's 19, she's a teenager when she's doing that, she's writing this stuff. That's very, very ahead of her years, very mature. And the power of
1: kind of the writers and the production to help navigate what that sounds like, right? Like she's performing it, but she definitely has It. She may not be writing it pen to paper, but these guys are definitely shaping what she's trying to say production we have Schaefer Neil Smith again Stargate which is Eric Hammondson and Mikhail Erickson uh, and then we got uh, the Dream Nash for production writers is Neo Stargate which is Hemmerson and Erickson, and then Lian Martin. Um, it's unapologetic and self-aware. The title track is her explanation for why she's not going backwards. It also may be the ushering in of the most mature Rihanna we've seen to this point at age 19 she understands love hurt and she understands changes happen she sees how the game is being played and decides to play it back in turn she kind of reaches her final form she just accepts that going to be that good girl isn't going to work she's got to go bad whether or not you believe it's the right choice she got to make it so you respect her for it it's not a happy song it's not a sad song I couldn't tell you if it's the anthem, because I'm not a good girl or a bad gal. It just seems like a fitting end for this roller coaster that she took us on. Uh, She lets you know it's never going to be the same look for her again, and you kind of appreciate her for it. Uh, With the internet being vast and a lot of misinformation, I thought this was a nice gem. The title track, Good Girl Gone Bad, is exactly 3 minutes and 33 seconds. And if you plug that in, the angel number, it stands for encouragement where you set plans into action and let your personal strength be your guide to trust yourself and put your thought into your choices. It's a sign to move forward. I thought that was kind of brilliant, whether or not she planned it, they planned it, or we planned it, I mean, 3 through
0: 3 And I always love how the original album ended with this song. It was just, the song fades out, and it's like, that's what you're left with. Mm -hmm. It starts with Umbrella and just bang, and it just, like those first five just, Hits you over the head, and it kind of mellows out a bit. Then it gets a little sexy, and then it kind of cools right off and gets very introspective and very real very fast. And I love the three the three parts of this album because it takes you on a ride, mm-hmm. and it just the way it ends just leaves you with your thoughts. You're like, "Damn, this girl's like, she's something else." Now, when we talk about the reloaded a year later, because we'll do the bonus tracks at the end. Um, track thirteen, the next one after this. So it is Disturbia. Uh, this was the seventh single off the album and her fourth number one hit. Wow. 476 million spins on Spotify. These, so, I mean, the really interesting thing about this song is that she wanted to drop it. This was her call. When it was time for the, I guess, after a sixth single, which we'll get to after this, um, she's like, I want to do this one next. I wanna direct the video. I want it to be like this. This is my song. Like she really you get into her head for this. And it's a mm-hmm. horror movie, nightmare come to life. The 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 video is I can't call it it's not necessarily an orgy, but it's like a <laughs> it's very thriller-esque, you know? Like it's it's creepy. The first time Rihanna used autotune as well, in the beginning of her taking more control of her career. Yeah. Like I said, from releasing the song to directing the video. This was kind of the, the next step in her evolution. Like, no, no. We're she's starting to get she's trying to call shots now. Listen, I cut my hair, I made this album big. This is a year later. I want this as a single. And it blew up, became her fourth number one hit. Look at that. She gets it, man. She understands gets
1: it. Production Brian Kennedy and Makiba Riddick. Writers, Brian Seal, Andy Merritt, Robert Allen, and Chris Brown. Oh, yeah, he did write on this, too. I, I actually knew that. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Son of a bitch. Reloaded's a money grab. We get it. Artists do it all the time. But when she drops tracks that are juggernauts on their own level, you have to give credit where credit's due. Um, Reloaded's like three tracks at this point, if we're claiming it, three or four. Um, Disturbia is the mountaintop that she puts her flag down. Like you can't deny her anymore. And like you were saying, she really leads into her visuals more. This is where the music video was still shining for our era um, and helped the presentation of a growing artist. You could hear the music, but Disturbios gets sold on the music video. Uh, considering a movie drop with the same name, people remember this song more. It shows how much of our influence was really happening in the late aughts. Uh, it's a banger. Not much more to say about that.
0: No. it's Like I said, it's, I, it's hard to compare a song to Thriller because Thriller is a masterpiece. But this is her thriller, like I said before, and it, it I love it. I, lo- I love this song, man. It's fun, it's dark, it's new. It's the next, like I said about rehab, this is our um question existing. It's an it's a step into her radar era. Like it's that, that direction. Then we go on to number 14, which was even bigger than Disturbia. Yeah. Take about 599 million streams on Spotify, her fifth single and her third number one hit. So you got Umbrella, number two, her second number one hit. You got Take a Bow, her third number one hit, and you got Disturbia, her fourth number one hit. All on one album. This woman is unstoppable. A straight R and B song too, using theater analogies to go at her cheating boyfriend, congratulating him for putting <laughs> on a lyric, a lying performance. <laughs> this song is hilarious, but it's real too. It's she's got some sass. I love it. She's it's it's the it's the breaking dishes girl, except with words instead of throwing things like okay sure you're gonna keep lying or, or are we done with this like very well done I, seeing her perform this song live is hilarious too But we'll get into that
1: production is neo which is schaefer neo smith and stargate which is eric hermeson and Mikael Erikson. um i wrote two things about this song it's back to ballads this time on her solo tip so she's in her bag with neo amazing you look so
0: dumb right now. <laughs> love it, love it. I thought she opened a song. I love that. Man. I love that. You look so dumb right now. God damn, I'm falling in love with her. That's the opening. That's the opening to the song. I like when she sings it live. It's funny. You can see. You can find clips on YouTube and even like just little reels on Instagram and stuff. She's like don't tell me you're sorry because you're not and then she'll be like adler's like don't do that (laughs) so like she just gets right into character it's so funny man and it it resonated people man this thing was huge this was a huge song a number one hit crazy now we have back-to-back number one hits on a extended version of an album which is crazy (laughs) If only she had got like three in a row. But, uh, you know, uh, no, so close. Number number fifteen. If I never see your face again, with maroon five label mates, maroon 5. 70 million spins on Spotify. It's too many. Her six. This was the sixth single off the album. I think it's.
1: This was a single. Uh, yeah, this would be yeah. a single.
0: This was bef- this was in between Take About and Disturbia. So, um, I think it was it was kind of a it was like a. Dual thing, right? Because Maroon 5 had their album and she had this album, so they were just like, Let's do a song together, we'll release it as a dual single. It, there's some like, I get it, there's some catchy stuff in it, but it's not up to snuff with the rest of the album. Never mind the rest of the album, the other two songs, yeah, (laughs) not even close to the caliber
1: of what she had just finished putting out. Yeah, and I blame Adam Levine. So. <laughs> <laughs> Production, Mark Inerant, uh, Mike Elizondo, Mike Spike, Sent, uh, Tricky Stewart Returns, and Maroon 5. Writers are Adam Levine and James Valentine. I wrote, I'm not talking about this song. It's not good. Uh, I don't want to talk about the song. It's not good. If you like it, that's, a <laughs> that's good one. for you. I literally wrote that. Um, it doesn't fit. It actually seems like the sore thumb that doesn't belong on the album. Even though this album is kind of conjointed and connected in weird ways this one doesn't fit it's not a rihanna song it's a maroon five song so that's probably why um but they didn't realize what she was doing and how she was doing it and i don't even think they utilized her talents to the best of her abilities so
0: yeah no it's trash she she's i think she sounds okay on this but yeah it's not not her it's not the greatest thing i wonder if he's half the lover that
1: i am don't even like it (laughs) i
0: wasn't (laughs) feeling the song. uh we can quickly go over the two bonus tracks and these were uh cry which is 17 million spins in for spotify and that was released with the uk the aussie and the japanese edition which is a breakup song it's actually i think it was it's good i think leaving it off the album was smart though because it sounds with the piano in it mm-hmm. it sounds very similar to unfaithful yeah which was a top 10 from her last album so you kind of want to break that mold so i i get i get why they didn't uh why they didn't put it on the album
1: oh production yeah yeah i guess stargate and uh which is hemerson and erickson and then Damney wrote that as well uh again i didn't really write a lot about this song it's good That's but fine. i'm i'm glad it's not really part of the um that we're
0: talking about yeah whereas the second bonus track was called haunted and it got only about two hundred thousand, uh, only two hundred thousand <laughs> spins on spotify uh it's a it, this was only on the japanese edition so she had the japanese edition has got two extra songs from jump which is interesting but it's all about how uh she's with a guy who can't get over her his, his ex-girlfriend so she feels like it's a, a hurdle for that and she Jump ship it's not really that great of a song it's you i i understand why they left it off because like when you when you when you make an album i know for this one especially she goes to the studio and just does a whole bunch of songs there's probably songs that we've never even heard that yeah. exist out there. And this is one of them It was just i think it was just an easy one it was kind of one of the ones like do we put it on do we not i doesn't really fit so let's leave it off and maybe somebody liked it maybe she liked it just like let's just keep it as a bonus down the road so
1: Rogers and Sturkin both produce and write it. Uh, everything you said, it's kind of forgettable, which is sad to yeah. say on an album that has a lot of memorable things for different reasons. Um, you get that she's starting to make decisions and directions, but you kind of wish she had the foresight to be like, no bonus tracks, I've given you enough. The Reloaded is where I kind of give you more bang for your buck.
0: But, you know,
1: nobody's perfect.
0: So we've gone over every song. Now we kind of, why do I keep saying we kind of, it's annoying. We want to go over (laughs) certain, certain parts of music. Do you want to talk about the heart? Yeah. uh, But what it is
1: as, as we've been trading music tastes and opinions over the years, we developed a system of the heart and the heart is the three consecutive tracks that you can't skip in an album that let you know, this is what the album is. Um, you hear it more in kind of hip hop albums. And mm-hmm. Sometimes it happens in R&B. Again, it's our first time doing R&B. But there's always kind of a grouping of songs that you know, this is where I go to immediately when you're rebuilding your order or when you're starting the album again. So the heart for Good Girl Gone Bad has been a source of debate between you and I, only because it kind of seems hard to find a heart on this album.
0: Yeah, and the argument is for two specific sections, which ironically are the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about "Umbrella," push up on me, don't stop the music, and then we also talking about "Rehab." Question existed, question existing. Good girl gone bad. Those are the two choices that I kind of go back and forth on. I lean heavily more to one than the other, but to give an argument for both, "Umbrella," push up on me, don't stop the music is the only arc in the in the album, and in one of the only arcs you'll see on any album mm-hmm. which i find is interesting that being said neither one of us really like push up army. no not <laughs> not like... when
1: it's sandwiched between umbrella and don't stop the music arguably the biggest songs of the next two years yeah. um, and the most identical identifiable, identifiable songs in her career push up army kind of just falls to the wayside
0: yeah like we we described it as what could possibly be a skit you know what i melt. so when we say a heart of the album has no no skips in it, "Push Up Mommy" is kind of on the line there. So I could do with or without that out with that. Excuse me, with that song, even though the two uh, that book ended mm-hmm. are incredibly strong. Yeah. Now
1: a heart's got to sp- beat
0: strong and fast
1: and cohesive. So if there's a blip, like "Push Up Mommy" is essentially a flat line where she has two big breaks of umbrella and don't stop the music. It's a murmur. It's a heart murmur. Your heart skipped a beat. We don't want that. We want a solid pulse. So it's hard to make case
0: for. One, two, three. So it's a much easier lean for rehab, question-existing, and good girl gone bad because that's what sends the album out. They're the most introspective songs in the album. They're all slower, but they're all very deep, and they have have strong meanings to them and, and themes to them. So that's what I would go with, because when I listen, to, my whole thing is that when I listen to one, I listen to all three. Mm-hmm. You could argue that those three are the, some of the strongest
1: produced tracks on the album, if not for just the sound, but the marriage of the sound and the artist. Rihanna sounds the most like herself in those last three tracks because she's dealing with real life. Everything else before it, she's kind of in this days of love, relationships, lust, sex, fun. But shit gets real once you hit rehab and it stays real when she questions who she is to the point that she comes to a conclusion of, you know what? I was once this girl. I'm not going to be that girl no more. Good girl got bad.
0: So for me, the heart of the album, those three songs, will I put on this album just to listen to those three songs? Maybe. But when I start listening to one, I listen to all three. Like when I listen to the album, I don't I don't miss these songs. I make a point, even when I'm when I'm driving and the drive doesn't go long enough, and I have to end the album like in the middle of the way, I'll come back just for these three. Like I will always listen to them. So the, it is my heart for the album. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can say that or if we have to agree
1: on it. You but. Do whatever you want, man. This is our podcast talking about the legendary Rihanna and Good Girl Gone Bad. Uh, the one thing I can say is I kind of wish production for Good Girl Gone Bad, Good Girl Gone Bad was stronger questioning existence is completely out of pocket you're not expecting it rehab is so well put together Mm -hmm. that fundamentally you want to end with a strong bang but it makes sense that it's a low note so it's kind of like the heart pumps strongest for the last times and then peters out ultimately if we have to give a heart for the first album it goes to the end uh I mean, unless I can put, let me get that <laughs> in there as well. Song <laughs> big. song's big. But, if we're talking about the artist and what I think the artist is trying to convey and where she's headed, it beats the best and the loudest in the end. Um, you leave this album knowing who Rihanna is and you're excited for what she's going to do next. That The heart's kind of got to be rehab question existing and good, good God, bad.
0: So we agree on that. Now, we also have a second system called the soul for this, and that is one song on the entire album, which you think is the backbone, which represents the entire um, existence or the entire theme of the album. What is the one track to you that is the soul? So we have the heart and then we have the soul, right? I went first for the heart, but I'm pretty sure we're in agreement for the soul. And the no, soul I'll go. Well. I'll go
1: first for on this one because I, I may have an audible. It'd be right. easy to tick. It would be easy to pick the title track "Good Girl Gone Bad" as the soul. But the more I think about it, the more I play it, the more Rihanna you get in touch with. I kind of think it's "Don't Stop the Music." This mm-hmm. is essentially the playbook and the blueprint for what she will do in the music industry moving forward. And it's her soul. As much as things around her are not working, she may question her friends, she may question her business relationships, she may question her career. She's always gonna be fun loving, go to that club, play that song, and then have her best day. Um, It's one of the unapologetic songs on it too. Like she manages to pair herself with Thriller, the inspiration of the album, Michael Jackson, uh, African Influences. It derives so many different things you can't not see the soul in it she creates a completely new sound that arguably she does the best now there have been cookie cutters and different artists who have taken that and find a way to put pop into dance dance into r&b and b into pop but Rihanna's kind of the first if not the og if not the best at it, as we see in her later albums, she as soon as she finds that person who understands what she's going for, there's no stopping her. So, I'm gonna say the soul is Don't Stop the Music.
0: I love that. I love that. Mine is actually something even different. More different. Not more different. It is It's actually something different as well. Because my soul, to me, is question existing. It's not the title track Good Girl Gone Bad." Question existing. And I, I'll tell you why. Because I have a bit of a cheat. Because I'm such a Navy man. <laughs> so you guys you call me? Yes. I hear interviews and I read and I read interviews and I and I watch videos of her all the time. And there was a there's in there was an interview, um I can't remember who it was with, but it was about in twenty thirteen, is one that I read. And they talked about Radar and they talked about her change of persona and how she deals with all this like distractions, paparazzi, fame. The, the the drama that comes with it. And she said it really got her down for a while and it really messed her up. But she learned that, or she realized she doesn't have a coping, a coping mechanism for it. She kind of just accepts it. And in, in that sense, it's like if they're all over me, paparazzi and stuff, that means I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. That means I'm doing well. I'm succeeding. I love that you brought "Don't Stop the Music" up because it shows that she's still doing her thing, even though she has a song or an album based on a song called "Question Existing," where she's really in her own head. She's in her own thoughts. She's by herself. She's having all these doubts. But you know what? I'm going to keep doing my thing. So I'm going to keep playing the music. I'm going to keep buying candy. I'm going to keep <laughs> you know. I'm going to keep making car innuend- sexual innuendos. Cause even though that's there, that doesn't change that it's there. I'm just kind of not ignoring it, but I'm accepting it for what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm moving on with my life, I'm still being me. So I think that that is the that is the center of the whole album. Amazing. Because she's she can do that and still do everything else. Amazing takes. So that's that's my pick for the soul. So we get the heart, we get the soul. That's how we go. Are there any other songs on this album you want to shout out before we leave? Maybe a guilty pleasure like My Breaking Dishes or... Rehab.
1: Rehab, rehab, rehab.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: This is Timberland in the arguably height of his powers. Timberlake in the height of his powers. Rihanna learning how powerful she is. It's just a good song that works well. I'm biased to Timbo sound. I've been on that since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, and I stress, if you can make me bow my head to a sad song, it's God's work. That's not easy, and they do such a great job of it.
0: Um, I'm. I've already talked about breaking dishes. I love, <laughs> I love that song. It's catchy. It's aggressive. I love a woman who can stand up for herself because women rule the world, in my opinion. Here, um, here, and. I love it when they're showing us strong characters because Rihanna is Rihanna is one of the strongest, at least musically. So, before we go, I just need to say, easy for a good girl to go bad, and once we're gone, best believe we're gone forever. So don't be the reason. Don't be the reason. You better learn how to treat us right, because once a good girl goes bad, we're done forever.
1: We go forever.